welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have alongside me my co-host, Grant McGalliard. And as excited as we are for the TCU-Arkansas-Texas Bowl matchup next week, and as many thoughts as we have on that, uh, tonight's podcast is not about that. Uh, it, it is almost Christmas, and Grant and I felt like we needed to jump on the horn and talk a little bit about some breaking news in TCU land. So, Grant, uh, hello. How are you? Let's talk about some breaking news. I'm great, Parker. Uh, at 8.53 p.m. last night, that is uh, Monday, December 21st, Don Williams of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal tweets, confirmed by Texas Tech spokesman that Tech is hiring Sonny Cumbie from TCQ as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He'll replace David Yost, who was let go last week. Uh, Tech has since confirmed. Um, uh, our friend Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram has confirmed that Cumbie will not coach the bowl game for TCU. Parker, uh, wow, it happened. How do you feel? It did. Honestly, uh, it, it feels a little bit like uh, I was cheated out of the moment that I wanted. You know, I wanted the grand reveal. But realistically, um, we've known kind of entire season, and it's become uh, glaringly obvious towards the end of the season that uh, Sonny Cumbie was uh, phased out of TCU's offense. And we also know that Gary Patterson will not fire someone Mm-hmm. Um, for, for better or for worse. And so we, we knew that this was going to be the end, um, that he was going to take a job somewhere. I will say I am shocked that a power five school hired him. Um, and I, w- I think maybe we'll get to this in a minute, but I would love your thoughts on the narrative that Patterson had a governor on Cumbie and that's why he's bad. And he'll actually be really, really good at Texas tech, which is something that I have seen on the internet. Oh, I don't believe that for a second. Um, I, I think Cumbie, there's, there, okay, let me word this sentence correctly. I think there is a world where a Sunny Cumbie team has a good offense. We saw it with TCU. It takes a special athlete, but there is a world where you can have a good offense. Um, it is not that there was a governor placed on him. Uh, Texas Tech hired him because Sunny Cumbie used to be the quarterback of Texas Tech. And after as mad as everyone was at David Yost and uh, with Matt Wells being sort of an outsider to Texas Tech, uh, they needed someone that could be uh, a Red Raider true and true. And so they brought back Sonny. It's that simple. Yeah, it seems pretty pretty clear cut there. And I mean, they have some offensive weapons and they're interesting. And like, honestly, I don't know that David Yost and Sonny Cumbie's offense are going to be that much different than each other. So no. I do think that was just kind of a change of scenery for everyone that might have bought Matt Wells some time and got Sonny Cumbie a chance to go coach again at his alma mater. And maybe that's a win-win for everybody. Maybe it is. And I, you know, okay, before we bury the man, let, let, let's say some nice things about Sonny Cumbie. Uh, I think he's a good person. I've, I've heard he's a nice guy. Sure. Uh, I've talked to him in the baseball game many a time. Uh, yeah. Our friend, friend yeah. of the podcast, Yell MK had a nice little, uh, go check out his feed. He had a nice little mm. multi-thread, multi-tweet thread that was just kind of like, hey, Cumbie was nice to me and it was cool to have someone engaged. And I, I believe all that. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think you can develop quarterbacks. Um, say what you want. Boykin was kind of a special athlete, but Cumbie and Meacham helped turn him into a thing. Parker is giving me a interesting facial expression. Uh, Kenny Hill got better at TCU than he was at AM. Max Duggan has gotten better. Um, they haven't probably hit their ceilings, but they have improved. And that is a nit that we can pick. Um, those are the nice things that I have to say about Sonny Cumbie. You, okay. Uh, you say something <laughs> nice about Sonny Cumbie. 
I think he's a fine. I would love for him to be the quarterback's coach. I think he um, did. That's what I'm saying. When he works yeah. one-on-one with quarterbacks, he's I fine. I think TCU's quarterback pipeline is is pretty broken. Um, and I, I, I mean, so I, I don't know. I don't know how you can look at his tenure at TCU and say he did a good job. Um, I, uh, well, I'll push back a bit. At, at times, he did a good job. At times, he may have ridden a special athlete. I mean, Grant, I don't want to go this far, but like, he wasn't calling plays for Boykin. No, I know. And I could coach Kenny Hill to 10 wins in 2017 in the Big 12. Like, I don't know. Okay, look, I, I, well, all right. Now, I'm the, the worst the person. I'm pipeline. so cynical, but. No, 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 it's okay. No, it, the thing about the quarterback pipeline is there were a lot of guys, certainly that transferred out. Sean Robinson, Justin Rogers, we know the names. Uh, Michael Collins. Uh, we had a guy that transferred in. Um, shout out Alex Delton. But it, of the ones that stayed, they got better. How's that? I honestly, I, I think I fundamentally disagree with that. Oh, God. And I think that's the issue with Cumbie. And that's why I'm saying like, hey, it's good that he's gone. Like, again, we I'm not insulting anyone's personal. No, I, I'm glad he's gone. Yeah, I mean, just TCU's pipeline. You 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 look back at the number, like the names of quarterbacks that TCU's recruited. I mean, dude, it is a graveyard. Um, and so there, there, yeah. So so the non-Boykin, non-Kenny Hill quarterbacks, who Kenny Hill's transfer, they didn't develop him. They got him. Oh, can I try developed. to name some of these? I mean, do you have them pulled up? I can easily. I'm trying to think. Uh, what? Okay, Foster Sawyer, Gracie Mulestein. Uh, okay, so Graham Foster Sawyer. Foster Sawyer is a great example. Foster Sawyer is a yeah. four star because he was 19 in high school. Everyone in the world knew that Foster Sawyer wasn't actually good. TCU still let their quarterback room develop around him, and sure, he got Matt Baldwin as a transfer. Matt Baldwin had a honestly, Matt Baldwin had a, a, a physical condition that he was never going to play football again. So, like, I'm, I'm not going to give him theoretical credit for that, you know. Brought in Matt Downing. The the one, the only. <laughs> Watch out. Quincy Avery will come get your ass if you say anything about Matt Downing. Look, I, I get what you're saying. So my question now is, Parker, where does TC there, – there are a lot of things we can talk about, but you, have a, you, as always, have a list of people that you have in mind where does tcu go from here if they are to make an outside hire because it would not surprise me if meacham is promoted to sole oc kenny hill moves up to quarterbacks coach and they just do it that way but if tcu were to make an outside hire where do you think they go okay so i have three things to say i think because i can never just straightforward answer your question that would be off brand one i haven't really watched this show but my wife did you, you know about the game of thrones uh, uh, yes, okay. immensely. Yes. And there's the, the girl who is like the, the sister of the King or whatever. And she like runs off and becomes this like badass fighter. And she's like really mad about everyone. And so before she goes to sleep, she like lays down and says the names of like the people that she wants to kill. That's, That's thing, 80% right? right. It's, it's Arya Stark in her list. Yes. Walter yeah, sure. Frey, the, the sure. hound. Yes. Yeah. Cersei. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's me with with offensive uh, coordinators you should hire every night before bed. <laughs> um, that was really, really long for a, for a long way around. For Not that great joke, for a payout there. Um, OK, so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, there, there's a couple of things that might happen. 
Um, and so I think the most likely thing that happens is you just kind of see a shift up. So Malcolm Kelly becomes inside receivers coach. Doug Meacham becomes OC. Kenny Hill probably gets a job in the administration. Because uh, I think he's technically still a GA, but I don't know. Th- statute of limitations on that's running out. So, um, yeah. So I, I think that's probably logically what happens. I, I do see a world where Jerry Kill just becomes the OC. Do you think he, he and Meacham would just might share co-OCs? I think it would be exactly. Or do you think Kill just exactly okay. the same as this year? Yep. I don't think anything okay. will change. Yep. Um, okay. So I, I'm actually leaning more towards that, honestly. Me too. Uh, cause that, that is in effect what happened this year. I don't, I, this isn't like a flex or whatever, but like, I mean, we talked about after Oklahoma state, we were just like, what the hell does Cumbie do anymore? Right. Because we watched yep. adjustment happen on the fly and he wasn't involved. And so Cumbie clearly was like the practice, uh, mechanics, kind of that person, mm-hmm. not really involved with like the on-field offense. And so I, I don't think a ton will change there. Um, outside hires, I think TCU, we, we absolutely are not talking about TCU hiring an offensive coordinator. Um, if I was in charge I, of, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Uh, do you know a man who has won a national championship that was born in Irving, Texas and is currently available? I was going to say I would pull Mario Cristobal if I was in charge of TCU and call Gus and be like, Hey, let's do it for two years and then go get a PAC 12 job, dude. Come on. Let's, let's win the big born in Irving, ladies and gentlemen, come back home. Gus. Let's win the big 12. Arthur Gustavo Malzahn, the third. You have the white red haired Cam Newton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very similar people, Max Doug and the Camden. Um, yeah. and so, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that, um, if I was in charge, I would absolutely be doing this like weird sales pitch of like, dude, we got a yeah. nice campus, you got a front row parking spot, you can get in the cryo chamber whenever you want. Let's let's win the Big 12. Um, that's not, <laughs> that's not, no, happening. no, it's not happening, but it would be funny. <laughs> The only, other, only one man can wear a visor on the sideline at TCU. Yeah, that's too many visors per capita. The other one that's interesting that I had thought of, and, I, and, and, I, and I'll shout out to uh, Will McKay, who asked this question tonight. Um, but but I had also was thinking about it. It's like, Kevin Sumlin doesn't have a job. And no, I don't. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not making a value judgment. That. I'm just going to just note something. He would be more plausible to take that job than Gus Malzahn would. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm not, I have no, I'm not speaking on this at all. Uh, a friend of the podcast, Richard Johnson on his podcast, uh, split, uh, splits on duo. They had a little bit mm-hmm. thing about like African-American coaches are more likely to take a job. Cause if they get out of the limelight, they're, they're forgotten. That's like a reality That's situation. True. That's not, I'm, I'm not saying anything other than that. And then saying Richard has some really great thoughts on that has informed me on that. So someone would be someone who would potentially take the job who's high profile. I don't think that's a reality. I don't think that's happening at all. I, I don't think it is either. I also want to point out Richard made a good point that um, a lot of times African-American coaches aren't given second chances. Um, if they fail at one job, they don't get another. Um, yeah, I guess I kind of was a little not in my backyard there with Kevin Sumlin where I want him to be in the pipeline. Uh, I don't want it for TCU just because I think he didn't do a good job at Arizona and didn't maximize his talent. Um, yes, I came across too hard there and, and, and that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, name I, I didn't think about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that I want that. I'm just saying like, again, if you're looking at the political economy of who would take a job, sure. You could do worse. Like, obviously he's a smart guy. Obviously he's been able to put together winning football programs. Uh, even if that is, yeah. you know, he's, he's not been able to be at the top of those programs. So, um, 
I think that would be, that would be interesting. I really think what we're talking about though, is TCU hiring an inside receivers coach. And that's kind mm-hmm. of best case scenario, uh, potentially with an assistant OC tag, right? So if I'm trying to go get one of those G5 coordinators who are so sexy right now, um, mm-hmm. absolutely have to offer the, the inside receivers tag. Absolutely uh, have to af- offer the, excuse me, you're going to offer an inside receivers job because Meacham's going to be OC. You absolutely have to offer a co-OC tag there, I think is the mm-hmm. way you get, you get that. So I have some interesting names if, you, if you'd indulge me walking through some of them. Please, yeah. Okay, so one I have to shout out. Um, Brennan Brennan Marion runs an offense. Uh, he's that 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 just makes so it, it makes honestly it makes too much damn sense for TCU to hire him. Like Brennan Marion's offense is called the Go Go offense. You've seen elements everywhere of it. It's it's primarily like twenty personnel. It's run heavy, um, which I think would be a nice counterbalance to kind of again TCU doesn't want to run the air raid, and that's a lot of the reason that Sonny Cumbie struggled is because when 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 fences were put up Cumbie could not adapt mm-hmm. and so bringing in someone like that uh, would be a great compliment because then you get him kill and brian applewhite all who know a lot about running the offense uh in, in the rushing game interestingly enough but if you came in and said hey 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 uh coach marion you're you're our running game coordinator show us how to get darwin barlow and zach evans on the field in the same time that will ruin big 12 defenses that just seems like a perfect matchup because so much of his offense needs a quarterback who can, you know, who can, who can move and throw the ball, uh, uh, two, two running backs who can also catch the, catch the ball in the passing game. And then a downfield threat TCU absolutely has the personnel to run kind of this go, go offense. And so bringing that in and just, I mean, one Marion's an awesome guy. Players love him. He's done well at recruiting. He's at Hawaii right now. He's been, you know, William Mary Howard university, Cam Newton's brother. They set all sorts of records. Um, they beat what Nevada, maybe they beat somebody big. Yes. I think it was Nevada. Yeah. 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 And, and so this offense has just set records at every level. Um, and so I think bringing those, bring those, those in bringing in kind of this dynamic guy that players love and, and kind of buying his playbook, I think would match really, really well with TCU's skill set. So um, that, that would be my number one choice just because again, TCU doesn't want to run the air raid. They're, they're, they're turnover averse. They want to run the ball a lot. The go-go would be a really, really great way for them to do it. So that's kind of my number one choice, um, which mm-hmm. is my same number one choice from last off season, but he's still available. So I think, yeah. that's, I think that's probably good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you text me a couple, a couple of other people. I'm going to read you their names and you okay. tell me where they are and why you like them. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kay McGivern. Okay. So that's Kevin McGivern, who is the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator at San Jose State. Who um, just went so undefeated this went year, undefeated, right? And won, won, or did undefeated, won their conference, beat Boise State in the conference title game. Yep. Yep. And so um, he's older. Right. And so I think that actually fits with TCU's profile because again, we are not talking about the future of the program. We're talking about getting the boys together for one last ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I mean, you know, in 2017, before he was there, they had 2,500 pass yards. In 2018, 3,100. 2019, 4,000. 2020, 2,100 in only seven games. So, like, they're, they're yeah. slinging the ball. And he was also uh, responsible for getting transfer quarterback Nick Starkle to come. 
mm-hmm. who, I mean, Sarko flamed out at the P5, like whatever, but saying like, hey, we can get talent here. We can get a guy who has some some raw talent and and and, and maximize that. So McGivern, McGiv- yep. I think was more interesting when it looked like Brennan, who's the San Jose State coach, was going to get the Arizona job, but that is a whole nother damn mess. I don't have anything to say about. So maybe that that that's off the table, but I, I would call him and just say like, hey, San Jose is nice, but you have really bad facilities. Again, it's kind of like the sales pitch to Gus and just mm-hmm. say like, hey, we want to win the big 12 two, two, two years in a row. That's what we want to do. Next two years, we want to win 10 games, compete for the big 12, come, come fix our passing game, come help us. And I think that's realistic. And so he would be somebody that's really, really interesting to me from a passing standpoint, just because their, their offense has been dynamic with very little talent. Next name on the list. This was weird. You put Kendall Bryles, and I didn't necessarily see that coming, but it's cool. That, you know, I was talking to a friend of the, <laughs> friend of the podcast and my father-in-law, Jim, this week, and he's saying, like, we were, we were having conversations about separating uh, the art from the artist, because yeah, yeah. I'll write about this on Purple Theory, but hot damn, Arkansas's offense is fun as hell. Yeah. Um, to be clear, also, Parker was joking. Kendall Bryles is not on the list. It's gross. Yeah. And Kendall Bryles it's, is not going to take it. Well, okay. So I need to say this because again, last year, I'm going to, I'll probably release the list after the bowl game, but like officially release the list. But like last year, people were like, well, why doesn't Todd Fitch come take this? Or uh, and you're like, okay, well, Todd Fitch is a million years old. Like that's not going to happen. But they were like, why can't Billy Napier come be our offensive coordinator? I was like, well, Billy Napier is a group of five a head coach, head coach who's going to take a head coaching job. Like, you, you got to think about somebody right. being eligible for that. It's like Kendall Bryles taking the OC at TCU would be uh, exile for him. So like, that's not happening. Um, yeah. For, for, also, <laughs> for many reasons, but one also, of them is logistically. Yeah. I, although as much as Gary hates art Bryles, it would be very funny to bring in Kendall's and I don't know, like just torture him for two years. Um, okay. Rapid fire real quick. Uh, two more Rob sale. Uh, Louisiana offensive coordinator. I think you could snag him before Napier gets a job. Napier's being really selective mm-hmm. in the job he wants. Sales, a running game coordinator, offensive line guy would be really, really great. Again, TCO has a stable of running backs. They have an offensive line that's kind of crazy. Perhaps you could bring in Rob Sale and um, Reform, who is in charge of TCU's offensive line right now. Maybe. That is something that I wanted to touch on. We set ourselves with 30-minute time limit, but it would be very interesting to me that if TCU does go outside, brings in someone, and that person would like to uh, bring their preferred coach to oversee the offensive line, what that would look like. Um, Send somebody back to special teams. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to go – I'm being diplomatic. Special teams were good this year. I'm being diplomatic and coy right now. This offseason, we're going scorched earth. It's ridiculous. That person still has a job. Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius Williams. Cornelius Williams is on Troy's staff. I really like him. He's recruited a couple guys, has had a couple receivers be like all conference at Troy. He was under Neil Brown. So he knows a lot about like kind of this weird air raid option, has some really interesting thoughts. And it's just really taken like two star guys and made them all conference receivers in the Sun Belt. And, uh, and so I think he could be dynamic. He has Texas ties would be a really interesting guy to bring in for kind of an ancillary support role. I like it. All right, let's move to Twitter questions real quick. Uh, and then we have something else to talk about as well. Um, any, anyone else I missed on the OC list or are we good? Uh, no, I, I'm in love maybes. with, I'm in love with like UCF's duo, but again, they're not taking this job. Like that's just not working. Yeah. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Okay, uh, let's see. I'm going to roll these two questions into each other because they're both good and related. Uh, from Mason Shreen, in front of the podcast, Sonny's biggest strength was recruiting offensive talent. With how this year's class uh, is, is that a big red flag, or can someone come in and do uh, just as good of a job? And I want to combine that with a uh, friend of the podcast uh, or, and friend of mine and Lubbock native, Parker Wise. Wow, my voice just cracked. Um, Grant is 13 years old. It's a very uh, delicate yes. time. No one make fun of him. Yes, this is hard for me. Will <laughs> Cumbie be able to bring over any transfers, and are they important? I'm not I, worried. I, for the second I'm question, no. It. I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. And I'm not worried about recruiting either, because as Mason pointed out, um, there are a lot of factors that went into that, but like Parker said, TCU's offensive recruiting, especially at quarterback, has been, to use his word, a graveyard. Um, so someone could definitely come in and do just as good of a job, uh, or maybe better. Um, Cumby is not the only recruiter on that staff. I think there are a lot of guys that are bringing in some pretty good talent. Uh, yeah. I, I think like, I'm, if, if you asked me, would you rather have Malcolm Kelly or Sonny Gumby recruiting Texas wide receivers? Yeah. I have a very strong answer to that. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I, you also think about like, what's Cumby's like biggest feather in his cap is probably like Quentin Johnston. And like, realistically, you can go talk to some Texas dudes. It's not that TCU won him, but Texas did a lot of things to, to really, really annoy him. Um, and like just very predictable, like woof. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. I think there's a lot of context in TC's recruiting. I think if TC's recruiting was dependent on one guy, there's no way in hell Gary Patterson would let him leave. TCU didn't match Cumbie's offers. So like, obviously they're not worried about it. I think, um, Modkins has done a great job on both sides of the ball recruiting guys. I think yes. Malcolm Kelly's uh, really, really interesting. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. Me neither. Set uh, graduate Will Brasher, how bad is it going to hurt when he hangs a 70 burger on y'all next year? I'll believe it when I see it. Gosh, um, I, I want to do Will, Will DM me and let's set up some weird public bet about whether, <laughs> whether Sonny Cumbie scores 50 against TCU next year. Yeah, let's do that. That's great. I'll see you at Christmas and I'll punch him for you. Uh, from uh, Max Duggan fan at Big Sad Fan, expectations for the offense, aka, do you think it will change much? No, can it'll I, look like what we saw. Go ahead. Yeah, you, you're no, right. It'll, look like, it'll look like what we saw in the last four or five games of when Kill and Meacham were really running the show. Right, and and Horn Frog eighty eight, our friend said, uh, I thought Meacham and Kill were doing a pretty good job. They were. Granted, it was against really bad teams, which has been my qualm. Is like, sure, you can run against Texas Tech, but you can't run against Oklahoma, and you've got to figure that out. So. I honestly don't expect huge changes to the offense. I think there could be. I think that um, kill with a full offseason of Meech and potentially Meacham. Gosh, how do I say this? Okay, I don't, I don't know anything, right? I don't know anything. Right. There was some workplace, workplace conflict going on. And potentially, Doug Meacham will be more receptive to criticism absent that workplace conflict. Uh, and perhaps he and, and Jerry Kill will be more collaborative than they would have been with other cooks in the kitchen. That I think that's real. I don't know, but I think that's real. And so potentially, I mean, what we saw in the Oklahoma State game was stuff not working out and Doug going back to screens and goes and Jerry Kill literally coming up to him on the sideline and saying, hey man, we got to cut that shit out. TCU this year yeah. did a lot more QB power um, I think I think they'll have a whole offseason to talk about Max and talk about, okay, we have this talent and we have Quentin Johnston. Like, 
TCU has a wealth of offensive riches and the best we can hope for, because they're not going to hire someone who's going to overhaul the offense is that this off season, Jerry kill is able to say like, okay, I've been around the block. I've seen a lot of offenses. The air rate is fun. Let's take some of those principles and let's take some of our talent and let's match those. Um, and, and so I don't expect it to be drastically different, but I do expect them to do a long like mirror, like look in the mirror about play sequencing and, and tendencies and what we're doing. It would shock me if TCU was not way more run heavy next year. Which if they're doing it uh, smartly is not a bad thing. Just make sure you know what you're doing. Um, by the way, I never thought we'd be touting Jerry Kill as a potential savior of the TCU offense. Well, uh, well, it's like, I mean. Relatively. You could you could get rescued off the Titanic and go stay in a five-star hotel, or you could get on a lifeboat and survive. Jerry Kill is closer to lifeboat and survive than getting rescued by a helicopter and going stay in a five-star hotel. Yeah, he, he's the SS Carpathia, I believe, the Sioux rescued the survivors. Um Tejas at Tejas Siempre. Is this setting up Cumbia to be uh, Tech's next head coach after they fire Matt Wells in 2021? Do you think so and thinks it's more of a Kingsbury situation to see if it'll work with the ex, uh, Red Raiders ties? Um, I, I think that would be a really interesting and massive leap if Sonny Cumbie is the next Texas Tech head coach. I think a lot of it depends on how he does in Lubbock next year. Um, Tech does return some talent. Um so Roger Thompson at running back, obviously Alan Bowman still in, in the, you know, in the quarterback room. And if he can ever stay healthy, he's fine. Um, I, I would not predict Sonny Cumbie to be Texas Tech's head coach because I don't think he's ready for it, but that's just my read. Yeah. I, I, I think the world for Sonny Cumbie becoming Texas Tech's head coach and succeeding was him taking the North Texas job a couple of years ago. I think that was a professional yep. misstep. Uh, again, I'm a, 30 year old idiot who's outside of football, you know, throw my opinion away, but like he should have taken the Texas, the North Texas job. Um, I, I think, yeah. we, I think it's more likely that like Spav, uh, Jake Spavadol at, at Texas state becomes the next coach. I think it's Jeff trailer is a name. Um, I, I, I think that this isn't, if you're interpreting this as someone outside the program saw Sonny Cumbie as being desirable and, did everything they could to bring him in. I think you're misreading uh, a lot of context on Matt Wells, who, who like Grant said, is an, is an outsider at Texas tech on his situation and TCU's situation where, where, where Cumbie's contract was up. Yeah. By the way, Spavit on Cumbie. Uh, I hope you like tunnel screens because we have a lot. Of them. Who buddy? Okay. We're, uh, we're throwing them. Okay. Uh, this was a quick emergency podcast, but we would be remiss if we did not talk a little bit briefly about the college football playoff. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, you know it by now. Uh, it is a broken system that is bad and unfair. Parker, uh, we each have a take. I'll let you go first. I have so little sympathy. Oh my gosh. Oof, I need to take a, I need to take a centering breath. Hold on. I have so little sympathy for Texas A&M in this. Oh my God. Um, you could have won. Just freaking win. Like, oh, you didn't beat a playoff team. You don't deserve to be in the playoff. If you'd have won your games, you'd be in the playoff. That's so easy to me. I have no sympathy for them. Freaking Coastal Carolina had a cancellation and went out of their way to get BYU to come. Another undefeated ranked team put their, honestly, well, we'll talk about them getting screwed here in a second, but put their potential New Year's Six birth on the line. Both them and BYU did to say, no, we need a quality opponent. Let's play. They played him in two days. They beat him. 
and, and so you look at like Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati. If you're a G5, you're asking, we won all our games. What else can we do? Texas A&M is saying, we didn't beat a playoff team. Why won't you let us in? Absolutely asinine. Just, just the babiest of babies. Um, I, I, I'm so unhappy and so unsympathetic to the plight of Texas A&M in this because, because all they had to do was beat Alabama. And because they didn't beat Alabama, somehow we should give them another shot to lose to Alabama. Just ridiculous I, to me. I am also tired of hearing about how good their schedule was. Um, I think three, maybe four of the teams that they beat fired their head coach at the end of the year after being bad. Um, they, their best win was Florida. Florida had three losses. One of them was to Alabama, but still. Uh, it, it's amazing to me that they, they continue to claim, well, we had seven straight SEC wins. Okay, that's great. Well, they weren't good teams. Congrats, you beat Vanderbilt by five. I, I don't understand where this argument is coming from. Um, uh, Joe, and again, like every- you said – Every piece of logic that Texas A&M has does two things. One, uh, it affirms Georgia has a better playoff case than Texas A&M because they lost to Florida and they lost to Alabama and and they lost to Florida when they didn't have their uh, they lost to Flo- Florida and Alabama when they didn't have their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so even even stronger, and it affirms that Indiana deserved a um, to be in the playoff over A&M. Like anything you can do, another team has claims, and that's just that's just nonsensical to me. It's completely nonsensical. And yeah, I want to talk about Coastal Carolina a little, a little bit. Coastal Carolina and Liberty. And listen, I have a lot of opinions on Liberty. Their football team is good. Coastal Carolina and Liberty are playing each other in the Cure Bowl. Yeah, can I, can I hop it's in? I'm sorry. Uh, yes. All the nonsense about Liberty, like Malik Wills, who's their quarterback, deserves no score. Like, oh, we yeah. Could, we could institutionally yeah. say, hey, we have qualms with that, but like, and, and have qualms with Hugh Freeze, but like Malik Wills deserves his shot as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Willis, Wills, yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. And again, I'm not crapping on the players. It's just Liberty as a whole. You yeah. kind of get that. You know what I mean? Um, but they're playing each other in the Cure Bowl. And it's, it's, it's not the same, but it has the same flavor of TCU Boise State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl in 2010. Both teams undefeated. And they just say, hey, you're a really, really good G5 team. We're going to go ahead and put you in this crappy bowl. Or uh, we're going to put you against each other so that you don't have a chance to show that actually you probably were one of the five best teams, ten best teams in the country. And look, if Coastal had made the playoff, would they have gotten pulverized by Alabama? Probably, yeah. But so is Notre Dame. And Coastal Carolina had a better resume than Notre Dame did. I mean, Coastal Carolina was undefeated. They won their conference. They don't even get a chance to play. And I was talking about this with my dad and my uncle and my cousin today. Teams stub their toes all the time. By not allowing Coastal Carolina a chance to play, you're not giving Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson a chance to stub their toe. You know, Florida stubbed its toe against LSU and tossed a cleat. Um, it, it, it's, it's removing variables and, and, and the sort of wildness about college football from the sport by sticking Coastal Carolina against Liberty and the Cure Bowl. It's a disgrace, Parker. It's a disgrace. It, it really is. And it just um, it just goes to show the wanton disregard that uh, the powers that be in college football have for, for any athlete at all. I've talked to Grant a lot about like my go-to example is like the hypothetical senior guard at Bowling Green, you know? like that guy Mm -hmm. is who college football is for coastal Carolina is a team full of those guys. And, and that just sucks. Um, Not only because coastal Carolina did everything right, especially in the pandemic year. Um, They, they, they went out of their way to schedule Liberty. And so they had a quality G five non-conference game. They won all their, all their Sunbelt games. They beat a power five opponent on the road. They, 
when 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 one of their marquee games against that non-con opponent was taken away, many teams, SEC teams, just sat at home and said, "Oh darn, we can't play Missouri this week. Oh darn, we can't play Vanderbilt this week. We're not going to reschedule." They went and scheduled an undefeated top ten team uh, to take their place. Coastal Carolina did everything, and you can say like, "Oh yeah, they're going to get beat by a million, But okay, is that any better than the hypothetical result of Alabama Notre Dame? Like. We have to play the games. If you're just gonna if you're just gonna say this team would beat this team, so they shouldn't play, then we shouldn't play any game at all. We should preserve player safety and you know what? Give Alabama the championship at the beginning and not play college football at all. Like you play the games because we don't know. No one knows the result. And that's so infuriating me to say, like, oh, well, they'd get they'd get beaten by Alabama. Like, do you want to see Coastal Carolina lose 50 to nothing in Alabama? Uh yeah, instead of Notre Dame losing 50 to nothing nothing against Alabama, I'd love right. to see that again. Can I actually point that out? I would love to see Notre Dame get beat again, 50 to nothing by Alabama. That's very funny to me, and I enjoy it every time it happens. Well, it's it's funny, but it's also like, I mean, there's there's payouts with yeah, it. Yeah, like, there's, there's a law of diminishing returns. So I, know, mo- I know. Money is money is the name of the game of football. And like, there, I mean, honestly, dude, there's like, gosh, I got to get real nerdy about this and I haven't looked into it, but like, there's probably an antitrust case that's at least Cincinnati has. Uh, I can't remember who it was on Split Zone Duo, but they mentioned the extreme possibility of this, um, of lawyers kind of looking their chops at the antitrust uh, aspect. Okay, well, I'll um, say I don't want to, I don't want to like rehash something someone else has said. No, no, so no, no. Say, it's just, but, but no, yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right. I, I don't, but I, they're friends of ours, so we can say, hey, go listen to this. But yeah, I, you're, you're correct. Yes, there is an antitrust. Uh, I'll say, I'll this. say it's even, gosh, this is so on freaking brand for me. And I hate that I have to do this because like, I don't dislike Iowa state. Um, I don't, I think Matt Campbell's great. I, I was rooting for Brock Purdy and he kind of sucked the first half of the year and made me look dumb. So like, I, I like Iowa state. They took coastal Carolina spot. And I think that's stupid. Yeah. It's I think really, really stupid I was, because they have Iowa a common State opponent. Lost to Louisiana. Yeah, I know. They have a common opponent. So not only is it like a three loss team, whatever, but like, dude, ah, uh, yeah, that just all around sucks. And that, that is just, and, and it, and it's weird because it's like competing, you know, Iowa State is a little bit of a feel good story, although not anywhere near as much as any one of their fans wants to make it. Um, but like Coastal Carolina, I mean, Iowa State, if they had just won all their games, they would be in the playoff, right? Like, it's the same thing as A&M. They have a path to the playoff. Coastal Carolina doesn't have a path to the playoff. Coastal Carolina evidently doesn't have a pass. These teams, it, it, teams are complaining about having a path to the playoff, and a team like Coastal Carolina wins all their games, goes all the way to schedule BYU, and they don't even get rewarded for it. They get just completely, completely shat on. It's so infuriating. It's incredibly infuriating. Uh, this has been a great... Uh nine minute discussion of the playoff that was supposed to be five minutes I'm Parker sorry and I, I will be back everyone. with more I apologize it's okay you left I, I I tried to stop the podcast last time and you left in my curse word so I appreciate that that's just because I'm um, lazy with editing so <laughs> <laughs> okay uh Parker will have a lot I will have uh something at least for your Christmas Eve enjoyment um do you want to wait do you want to yeah do you want to yeah. schedule on air I feel like that's a, a popular segment I'm probably gonna yeah, do it's, it's, it's <laughs> I charted some it's stuff today. because we get to, we get to turn, we get to see how wrong we were. Um, Parker charted some stuff today. I will have at least a preliminary look at Arkansas okay. and a little bit about what TCU has to gain. Uh, I'll probably have Oprah's Christmas favorite things like Parker's favorite, favorite plays uh, before Christmas. Oh, and then, good. 
we'll podcast like early next week and then have our normal like in-depth look next week. So preliminary stuff this week, random, whatever next week we'll have, you know, podcasts for your, for your viewing pleasure. Uh, and, and then our deep dive stuff next week. Perfect. Uh, he is Parker Fleming. He is at stats. O war on Twitter. I'm Grant McGalliard at Grant McGalliard spelled exactly like it sounds on Twitter. Uh, follow us there. Follow, follow and subscribe to the purple theory newsletter. Uh, Subscribe to the Purple Theory Podcast. This emergency episode is now over. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.